Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Deeper Podcast. This is a special, uh, would this be called a breaking news edition? Mo is sitting over here. You can't, uh, we didn't have enough microphones, so Mo's sitting here like a a producer, Uh, like a breaking news edition of this. You guys know that we've been talking about what's going on in the Middle East and in Israel, and we've told you that these are real stories. They're not just numbers. They're not statistics. These are people with real lives. And just yesterday, uh, our good friend Sarah Olson reached out. She works for Intercessors of America. Some of you all know JT Olson, JT with both hands. Uh, many families in our church have adopted children because of both hands. So they reached out and said, hey, there's this, uh, this team in town and started telling me the story. I was like, man, we got we to gotta get, gotta get in on this. And, and so to that end, I, I want to jump right in. So who, who we've got here today is uh, Todd Lemire. Did I say that right? Lamphere. Lamphere. That was so close. Uh, and Todd worked at, well, tell me, tell us what you did in the White House before what you're doing right now. So I was the uh, chief of staff for uh, the uh, senior advisor to President Trump on faith who ran the White House Office of Faith, Pastor Paula White. So still serve with her on that and uh, now serve as the vice president for government relations for CityServe International. And for those that don't know, CityServe started by the guy that started Convoy of Hope. That's right. Uh, Dave Donaldson. Dave Donaldson. Uh, several initiatives around the world uh, familiar with them. So you guys are working in Israel, which is where you've come across our other guest, which is Dr. Gepner. Hi. Ifach Gepner. Uh, and before we get into the story, I really want to get right into it. But can you tell us, like, just your name, what you do in Israel, and how long you've been? Yes. Yeah, you, so, you were born and raised, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I was born and raised in Israel, in the south part of Israel. Uh, Iftar Gepner. Um, normal days, I'm a professor at the Faculty of Medicine at Tel Aviv University. And do a sports science and metabolism. I have uh, um, colleagues here in the U.S. as well. Would explain why you're in such good shape. <laughs> <laughs> and those days are much more iftar for men absorb rather than being professor in the faculty of medicine in the past almost two months. Yeah. So did you go, is that where you went to school for medicine was Tel Aviv University? So I, I actually was uh, did my postdoc here in Florida, in North Orlando, in UCF. Okay. Uh, and then I came back to uh, Tel Aviv University with the expertise in sports science. Right. And we developed that now in, in Israel and opened actually the first uh, um, um, exercise physiology program in Israel. Well, for I want to start with saying, you know, on behalf of my family, this church family, we are so sorry what's happening in your country. It's... Uh, and I'm even more sorry at the response of, of the world. Uh, angry, but also sorry that you guys are facing that. Uh, especially knowing what you have just gone through. Um, so to to go back to October 7th, which in a weird way feels like so long ago, and yet yesterday at the same time. I don't know how it feels to you. But you, the, the, the Moshav that you live in, the town that you live in, is f- four miles from... Gaza. Yeah, a bit less than four miles. Yeah. Less than four miles. So we, were you were home the night of the attacks? Yeah, so the October 7 was started at 6.30, 5 in the morning. Um, it was supposed to be a very quiet and relaxing Saturday morning. People were supposed to be jogging, had a breakfast with the family. Uh, it was a beautiful day, beautiful sunny day. But it all changed that morning from the paradise we live in to hell. Um, I woke up in my bed from the massive rocket attack next to my wife, Michal. And after a few seconds, we realized this is not normal. In the past 22 years, we are used to rockets on the place yeah. we live, in, in the Shkola region and the entire the, close to Gaza Strip. But we realized there's something different going on. Your wife, and you've got kids? Three kids, Three Ruth, kids. Ella, yeah. and Alondra. How old 15, are they? 13 and 10. Wow. So as a father, where do your thoughts go immediately? So I look at my wife after three seconds and I tell her, let's grab the kids to the safe room. In Israel, especially where we live, everyone have a safe room due to, because of the rockets. We grabbed them to the safe room, rigged them up, and we said that it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be big. It's going to be big. It's going to be something different mm-hmm. this morning. You could just tell it was different, huh? Just by the 
amount of rockets and bombing around yeah. you figure out like this is crazy and after a few minutes like every every mushab or kibbutz so the, the difference between kibbutz and mushab this are all the scholar 30 32 villages and they're all very community oriented we mm-hmm. celebrate holidays together and we are know each one of the people yeah. that live in like we live in a place that all my friends from the kindergarten are my neighbors yeah like my kids will never go on their own when we lived in Denver or in Orlando but the place we live in normal days people like it's a hundred percent safe place yeah having been to um, maybe you too talk but I, so I, I was born and raised in a, in a we call them farm towns in, in America a little tiny farm town and it was the same thing our parents all grew up there I grew up there we all knew each other we took care of each other and I know that there's some nuances between Moshav and kibbutz but at the end of the day these are these are villages that are farm towns farming agricultural communities and I, having been to a couple near uh, Beersheba like it, it I felt I'm thinking we're so close to Gaza but it feels so peaceful this is the paradox and safe yeah it, it is a paradox that you're and in the most safe, that's how I felt until that morning. That's the most safe place to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all changed. So you guys head to the safe room? Been to the safe room. And, and what uh, time is it now? 6.30? 6.35. Okay. So yeah, after a few minutes, the, the head of security in, in, in the Moshav, in the, in the village, um, sent a WhatsApp message to everyone. Um, um, so is everybody like in a group WhatsApp? Yeah, it is. In the whole village? You know, funny. Huh. Uh, um, we had, you know, God was with us that day and, yeah. and even before. Because a few months, the most important thing that happened to Enabsor is a massive car stalling in the past few months. Cars stealing, people stealing yeah, cars. People stealing cars at night. And, you know, we have been trained. Our, our, there was supposed to be like a, um, a team of 12 people to protect the village. But it got expanded to almost 70 people that ready to react in case of something happened. So without knowing that, in the past few oh. weeks before, we got trained for that day. And when the secu- head of security texted us, it's something big, go to defense, def- go, go to, the, to, the, to the defense of the defense of the village and to the gate, in case of something happened, everyone went outside to protect. I didn't have any weapon, so I go out with a stone. <laughs> You know, it's interesting to note that each of these Moshavs in kibbutzes, they uh, they only have five uh, rifles, five M16s that the IDF gives them. So and they're you, supposed to share them. That's what they do, and hmm. and so they literally defended their Moshav with uh, four guns in a rock that Dr. Gepner was was holding. That's amazing. So to that end. So the difference maybe between, and say the name of the town again, Ein Absor. Ein Absor. Between that and maybe some of the other kibbutzes or moshavs is that you guys, just by coincidence, or some, I've heard someone say that a coincidence is just when God remains anonymous. Yeah. Um, but by coincidence, you guys had already had 70 people out protecting against car thieves, so you were already on alert Absolutely. And not only that, the other fact that we are not the first line with the Gaza Strip. There are other villages and kibbutz that they are closest. And uh-huh. they start, uh, uh, we start getting messages for them. They're coming in, they're coming in, right, they're so shooting, they're up. shooting. And, and we start hearing, you know, it's, it's like a mile away, those villages between each yeah. other. And we start hearing. You go outside and you re- realize you hear guns shooting. That's not, that's something happening here different. Yeah, that's and, not normal, huh? So with that, you've got four guns, 70 people to protect. How do you defend against, I don't know if it was dozens at this point coming on to you guys, but there was, it was, there was more than four guns coming at you, right? Absolutely. So let me tell you like, like the story what happened, like they attacked. So we went to the fence. My brother, Elad, was um, the only one with the M16 in the front gate. He went there about around 7.30, and he decided to close the gate at 7 52. Two minutes after they came, dozens of Hamas terrorists with massive uh, guns, RPGs, yeah. and well, well armed people ready to get in and to kill as much as they can. He realized they're coming, and, and you know, 
your brain cannot understand information. Yeah, yeah. They just, the, the, the amount of, of unreality of people that are coming in in front of you. So he knew they were supposed to come with a pickup truck, but only after they start shooting him, he shoot back. He was fighting with them for a few minutes by himself with dozens of people and a, a limited bullets. Yeah. He, he got shot in his shoulder and he was keep shooting, shooting because he knew once they're going to get into the village, mm-hmm. we screwed, we're done. And, and he's the big hero in the story. That's not me. But... Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, living in Middle Tennessee, which is a bubble inside of a bubble of America, you know, it's so hard to get our mind wrapped around, A, that you even have a, a wall around your town at all because you, there is a safety issue there. That's, that's something completely foreign to us. But, you know, being the guy holding the line at the gate, uh, the first line of, and f- f- actually last line of defense, if they got through there, uh, I mean, what a legend. So he's sh- shot. Where are you at this point? I was in the other part of the fence, again, with a stone in my hand. Um, I had a Tesla. <laughs> a, 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 a stone and a Tesla. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the story of David and Goliath, as I recall. <laughs> Five smooth right. stones and a Tesla. He gave me a call and he told me, you got shot. Uh, and, yeah. and come pick him up to the hospital, to the closest medical center. I realized I have to act fast. I moved to the Tesla to sports mode. And I, I grabbed him, I, I, I picked him up. He was, he got shot in his shoulder uh, without the bullet coming out. And, and as a professor in the faculty of medicine, I realized he can get into his, uh-huh. any internal organ and it might be in, in immediate life risk. We, we could not go out from the front gate because there was the, the terrorist in there. So we went from the back gate, from the off road to the road that goes to the hospital. We drove the off road. And I lay him back. Which means you're leaving the walls of the relative safety yeah. of your... Yeah. That's and, a big risk. And that time, my family, it's in <sighs> the safe room at home, my wife and my uh-huh. three kids. We went to the, from the off-road to the road and go to the hospital. I looked to the left. It was clear. But when we turned right and we went on the road, we see in front of ourselves about 300 feet like a 30 Hamas terrorist with two pickups and five motorcycles. So you've turned right onto a road, and now you're facing two pickups, motorcycles, dozens of terrorists coming right at you in your Tesla. Absolutely. It took me, again, a second to realize what my eyes see in front of me. We went a bit backward, and then they start a massive shooting with a machine gun. So you're going backwards. You hit reverse in the Tesla. I'm assuming they go pretty fast, right? I mean, is it? You know, I always, but have you ever driven that fast in reverse before? That's not easy I, to do. <laughs> you know, I was in the IDF drive, driving in, in, in off-road, so it has some experience. But uh-huh. I always say that Tesla was one of my best buying choice in my life. I didn't know that it's going to actually going to save my, in my brother's life. Because we went reverse so fast, about 40 miles per hour off-road when the two, two of those motorcycles trying to catch us and shooting and my brother got hit and he was screaming and was bleeding all over and bullets like are all over blowing the car and, and the glasses wow. all over. We went like, a, 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 I would say like 500 feet backward fast as we can then make a U-turn and we drove only like Tesla to accelerate like like... <laughs> There was smoking all over in the car, and 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 I opened the window. The window there was no window at that point. It was yeah. all like a windy and and smoke, and 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 we went like fast as we can again inside and absorb from the big gate. And so you go right, back into the town, right okay. to the town, because my blood, my body was bleeding all over. Yeah, they were being so close. It was less than a second separate us from being death. That point, we got into an absorb. And a few seconds after, the battery died because we got multiple bullets of the battery. So God, there was so many options that showing us how God was with us that morning. We got into the Moshav and we, my brother was under a a life risk. (laughs) And you have to go to the ER 
as fast as they can. Coincidentally, you, you mentioned the description of coincidentally, again, there was an ambulance in the village. The driver was, wasn't there because it went, was, a, was a weekend. He went to holiday, he went to vacation with his family. So we literally, we stole the, stole the ambulance and put a, put a, a IV to my brother and two hours off-road escape from, from other pickups and motorcycles of those Hamas terrorists we luckily uh, uh, bring, bring, them to, bring him to the hospital to the ER right before he got into a shock and a few minutes before we lost him and now he's okay and he's safe and so he's okay now that was the, yeah that was the question I'm sure everybody I, I wanted to know but everybody wants to know that so he's okay now as okay as you can be if you've been shot and he's strong he's yeah. strong he's just have a strong body he's strong mentally because we don't have any any, any other choice we when must I met be him strong. he was uh he was walking had his m16 still strapped uh, to his his shoulder he was re- he was ready for round two <laughs> so it's been f- 50 days how many days now 60 almost almost six almost 60 days let me ask this question though how how many people did you lose in your town? Like how many ultimately did you so have to say goodbye to? In our town in Absor, inside the village, nobody died. Wow. We saved the True. entire village. So to my, thanks to my brother, heroic story. That's amazing. And other people that also fight with the, those, those terrorists. We saved the village. Two minutes separate from Absor being second Barry on yours. Two minutes. This is one of the biggest village in, in Eshkola yeah. region. Yeah. And they targeted and absorbed because not only the t- dozens of people that can't try to get in, there was five pickups with many of them waiting to get in to murder, to rape, to loot it, yeah. and to do those unhumanity things to an absorb. Yeah, which did happen in multiple other kibbutzes and mushavs, like other towns that, that happened in as much as our legacy media and even our uh, social media platforms are wanting to silence since those pictures and those images, like those are real. What happened is real. Like it was murders and uh, cowards. Those are real. Yeah, we lost. You asked me if we yeah. lost. So we lost many good friends. We lost yeah. families. I lost my 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 cousin Tal. That's mm. defense. Adam Shav. My kids and and we lost so many like teachers coaches friends yeah. you know i have i told you about i have three kids they know things that they yep. shouldn't like like yeah, their innocence was stolen from them yeah they they literally lost their childhood in so early in stage in their life like when a 15 years old girl know that their friend had been raped by multiple people one after the other and then they shoot their head any liberal person cannot support their side. I mean, if you consider yourself as a liberal, this is a pure hate. This is just get into a house and you hear babies screaming inside a safe room that is locked. And you go outside and you take the spare tires to burn it in front of the door to make them die over there while they're screaming. This is a level of hate that the world needs to know of what those people done. And that not only those 300 terrorists that come in, the 6,000 civilians from Gaza Strip that crossed the international border that day to loot it and to steal. Like how a person can get into a burn house, step over a murder infant to take his toys to his kids. I've been in those places. I've been in those villages that got totally destroyed. You can hear the story, you can see the photos, and you can watch the videos. But you cannot smell, even this podcast, Yeah, you cannot smell the level of hate, the pure hate, like the ISIS and Al-Qaeda or just want to spread. It's, it's, it's not like the story of an absorbed call of Israel. It's the story about justice and 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 evilness versus like liberal this is the thanks to you guys this is the mess the key message you want to come want to facing 
how to make our future bright for the, the entire world, how we can make this, make this, our, 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 our sorry for getting too emotion, how we can think positively that we can make an impact to make it a better place. The naivete, um, a friend of mine um, that I've become friends recently, he, he wrote a book called Necessary Endings. But he talks about uh, three kinds of people, the wise, the fool, and the evil. And a wise person hears the truth, they adapt the truth to their, I'm sorry, they adapt their life to the truth. That's truth. I need to change my life to the truth. A fool hears the truth and tries to change the truth to fit their narrative. And there are very smart fools out there. Yeah. Um, and his point, by the way, in this is that you need to know who you're dealing with because the, if you're trying to talk logically with a fool, fools only listen to consequences. They don't listen to f facts. That's why you can have the same conversation over and over again. You're like, why are you still? But then the evil, so he says, you know, with a wise person, you talk to them, we, we, have, we have a truth conversation, things get better. A fool, there's consequences and things either get better or they're gone. And then, but he says, then when you get to the evil part and you've got to know this, that's when you get the guns and get the lawyers because there's no negotiating. And he actually uses that in, in reference to relationship. He's a trained psychologist. Henry Cloud is his name. He's a uh, anyway, great guy. But, it's a beautiful definition. But when you uh, put that lens on what's happening in the world right now, um, there's a fine line between fools and evil, but the results sometimes feel exactly the same. And when we, you know, one of the jokes that's been flying around America lately is that, you know, even when you start talking about queers for Palestine and things that they're saying here in America, that's like, it's literally like KFC, uh, chickens for KFC. Like it, there's no logic in it at all because the very things, what you just said, if you're a liberal, um, progressive, whatever, the very values that you say you want, Hamas, you know, Al-Shabaab, Al-Qaeda, None of them are have any interest in any of that. If you want any kind of freedom of anything, you know, radical Islam, even moderate Islam, you can't. There's a reason why women were only allowed to drive in Saudi Arabia, like in the last couple of years. Like this is not a hard conversation, but for whatever reason, we have a lot of fools in our American universities who hear truth and are trying to adapt the truth to fit their narrative. Yeah. You, having just lived through that, educated, educated United States as well as in Israel, you've, you literally have had a front row seat. When you see, read, hear the, the, the protests, like for instance, it just happened, if, uh, they tried to take over the Christmas tree lighting in Times Square. What do you want to say to those people? I want to say that the Palestinian and... and those countries that you mentioned are deserve a better life. They deserve, I mean, Gaza Strip could be Singapore. People could be very happy and successful yeah. and educated. But they choose by their leaders. They choose the evil. And there is another, there is other option to make the world be a better place. Yeah. I mean, the things that my kids have been through in the past, you know, my, my, my son is 10 years old, like play basketball and he lost his coach. He told me, why? Why that? What is the reason to do such things? Is this question, why do they hate me so much? Is that the deeper question? Yeah. What do you say to that? You know, the, the, we have been facing so many tough and, and hardworking situation in the past almost two months. You know, kidnapping, you know, Yagil is a good friend of my, my middle daughter. He just came back. They just released him like a few days ago. And before they kidnapped him, he told the, the terrorist, I'm too young, don't take me. I'm too young. I'm not part of it. I'm, I haven't started my life yet. Unfortunately, as a father, I don't have a clear answer to all of those questions because I cannot understand the level of hate. You know, put her rockets under a bed of a baby. Yeah. That's what we found her. I don't know if, if you have kids, can you, how can you put her rockets under the bed? Yeah. Moving forward, um, there's geopolitical issues uh, 
just regular old social political issues. But the, the one of the issues in front right now is uh, so f- from a Christian faith, one of the commands of you know Christ is to care for the least of these brothers of mine, and, and he specifically uses that Matthew twenty four and twenty five in the context of violent times in the earth. It's one of the things, uh, Todd, that uh, you, you you know this because you work with City Surf, but um, Jesus was saying, if you've done it for the least of these brothers of mine, right? You've done it for me. Talking about clothing and feeding and and again, it says it, you know, which is a scripture that is great. We, you know, it's, it's everybody from World Vision to whoever, like we, we, you know, but he was using that in context of a time that he was predicting in the future of, of violence on the earth, right. of earthquakes and famines and wars and rumors of turbulent wars. Turbulent times. Turbulent times, people in prison. So when you, when you read his list of things, you know, you were naked and you didn't clothe me. I was in prison. You didn't visit me. You're like, oh, he's talking about persecuted people, right? Persecuted Christians. And... Uh, city serve is it, it, it literally in the middle of that. You guys have got initiatives in Ukraine, uh, other pla- but Israel's one of the seven initiatives. Uh, yes, right. One of our ten initiatives. Ten. Okay. T- tell me what is uh, what is city serve? And by the way, other faith communities, as far as Christian faith communities, because um, I know by the way, like you guys are hearing only uh, what the mainstream media is really feeding out there. I, I will say this. If, Maybe this is cold comfort. I, I know a ton of pastors. I know a ton of, of Christians. And they're not getting any time on MSNBC or CNN. But there are tens of millions, if not more, Christians in America who are standing in faith with you guys uh, and ready to, to help, ready to do something. And one of the things that we as a church like to be a part of is saying, okay, this is what the enemy, the, you know, the kingdom of darkness, hate wants to put into this world. We as a uh, as a Christ follower, our job is to get to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and that's what City Serve. That's right. Is is done, is doing. What is the faith community doing right now, specifically in Israel? And then, what are you guys specifically doing, and how can we get involved? You know, there are a lot of great organizations out there that really are doing a uh, a ton of work. Uh, you have Firm, uh, which is. An organization has been there 40 years. Uh, they're actually housing uh, displaced families uh, in hotels, paying for the rooms, the whole bit. They're, they're doing a great job. What we wanted to do at CityServe, uh, the first thing we wanted to do is we wanted to be boots on the ground. Uh, the ministry of presence is uh, so valuable. Just to be there, uh, to, to hug a neck, uh, to, to let them know that, uh, that, that the Christian community uh, in particular, the evangelical community cares, and we're here to help. And so when we went there, we Israel is just sort of big. You know, when you say you give to Israel, yeah, uh, we wanted to take that pie called Israel, and we wanted to take a sliver. We just want to take a piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. In this case, meeting with the heroes of Enabzor to say, listen— uh, these people uh, are really the antithesis, or, or, or the, the the embodiment, I should say, of of uh, of the, their biblical significance in town. Uh, and absorbs the uh, the town in First Samuel thirty with Ziglag, yeah. where David uh, goes and he comes back, and he and his six hundred men's wives and and all their belongings are taken, and uh, David asks God, you know, what do I do? He says, arise and go, for you shall recover all. And those 600 men with David stopped at the Valley of Basur, which is modern-day Enabzur. And that's where 200 of them said, you know, we can't go any farther. We're going to set up camp right here. And that became the staging ground for when the 400 others went, recovered all, came back to these guys. And what Enabzur... They're living up to their name. They're living up to their heritage. They're living up to their pedigree. And we said, this is who we really need to hang our hat with right here. Uh, CityServe has a hub pod model where we resource a hub that resources points of distribution or pods. And as we looked at Enabzor and with Dr. Gepner and uh, all those around him, we said, this this is a perfect example of, of how we can reach the whole valley of Eshkel. And so those, uh, those kibbutzes next to them, like uh, kibbutz Niraz, uh, that we went 
boots on the ground there and saw firsthand the, the things that no one should see or experience. Uh, and uh, Kibbutz Beri, uh, they're they're a mile from the from the from the Moshav that successfully defended itself. And so these people want to be the ones to help rebirth uh, these other kibbutzes. It's going to be a couple of years. Yeah, this won't happen overnight. Yeah, this is not. This is uh, yeah. This is a long-term play. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it was important with City Serve and City Serve Israel to identify with uh, with a moshav that had our heartbeat as well uh, to help their community. They could have every right to just go inward. And they've chosen to, to go outward and to open up their community to, uh, to the other communities that didn't fare nearly as well as they did. So uh, 90% of Enabzor is displaced right now. Uh, they're in uh, a loft, which is uh, a town that's southernmost town in, in Israel. So they're three hours away. And so immediately what we've done... Where are they staying in those places? Mainly in hotels. Hotels, yeah. Okay. yeah. In, in, in 200 square foot rooms. And, and, it, and it's funded privately, by the way, Pastor. It's not, you know, this. the government hasn't come in at this point and, and given any um, uh, disbursements of funds or anything of that nature to, uh, uh, you know, to the people. So they're gracious people and gracious business people in the States have have uh, taken care of this amazing group of people, flew up to see the, uh, the community there. They're so loving. Uh, they're disillusioned as they, yeah. you know, sh- we all are. Um, but uh, we wanted to immediately bless them with, uh, you know, with clothing from our friends from Jockey to washing machines. You know, yeah. they're, they're in this hotel. They've got about seven, 800 of, of their residents there, and they have three little tiny washing machines. So people just wait in line sometimes for days, oh, man. you know, just to, yeah. and then I, something that, you know, that uh, Dr. Gepner shared with me that just floored me, said, you know, we have to wash our clothes every day because kids are wetting their beds every day. Every time they hear an alarm go off, Yemen is, is, is firing yeah. rockets, you know, uh, o- over their area and just, re-traumatizing these kids. So we have that immediate need of meeting those uh, basic fundamental, you know, clothing, shelter. Um, but then we want to go into to more of a, uh, a long-term play. And for lack of a better word, is we, uh, we're going to be adopting these 320 families of Enabzur. So you have 320 families, 1,100 uh, residents, 400 are age 12 and below. And wow. so we, uh, uh, and they can't work. You know, 60% of Israel's produce comes from this region right here. All the Thai workers are gone, so they, they have no help. Uh, so CityServe will be uh, you know, introducing uh, what we call serve mission trips, where hmm. you're, you, you'll see some of the sites. You'll yeah. see the sites that everyone goes to see. Uh, but you're also going to pick up uh, a knife and and pick up some equipment, and you're gonna you're gonna harvest some cucumbers or some lettuce or uh, zucchini, right. you know. But I'd be uh, like going back to my childhood, actually. We, well, I did that growing up. We have a place oh. for you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really that's where, actually really cool, Todd, because that's the um, at the end of the day, it's easy to tweet. Uh, that we're supporting Israel. Uh, easy. Uh, I say that. I, then I, and then yet half the feels like half the church is silent. But uh, it's those things are pretty easy, and it's easy to write a check. Um, again, important, and we need those as well. Uh, but the long term commitment is uh, if there's one thing that our culture has done to society right now is that this is the, the next crisis, and then we, we, we get ex- whatever, and then we move on to the next one, and the next one, and, and so. It's like a lot of Roman candles that go off, but then they're gone. But what the church is supposed to be about, right, is it's one of the reasons why, you know, Jesus would have chosen the the local church, local churches to be his. We discovered that in Haiti, probably like you guys have discovered, right? When the earthquake happened, the UN uh, was inept. They were late. 
and when they did finally get there, they were they put everybody in soccer fields. So there's this humiliating walk to you stand in line. We're out of water. Meanwhile, hundreds and hundreds of churches become distributions network for Convoy of Hope. I remember Convoy actually did. You guys, uh, former uh, organization, they they sent supplies to us. Um, yeah. And then the church has distributed it from there. So yeah. the, the long term, uh, the UN's, you know, long gone from Haiti, but the churches are still there. Yeah. And uh, I think that's really the, that, that is the, the, the model and makeup of CityServe. Yeah. It's to resource the local church so that they can be the hero in their community. And yeah, I mean, you're so right. Uh, disasters have about an eight day shelf life. Is that it now? Yeah. I, it's yeah. once, once they're, once they're off, once they're out of the news cycle. Yeah. You know, we, we, we're still doing work in Maui. And the reason why we work through the local church, we're still doing work in Ukraine. You know? mm-hmm. The reason why we do it through the local church is the local church was there before mm-hmm. the disaster. Uh, they're there during it, and they're going to be there long after. Yeah. I'm going to ask you another question. That's This is, this is going to be a little bit of a left field one, and we can edit it out later if you don't want to talk about it. You, were, you worked with the, the previous administration. And I remember... Like friends of mine, like they're sending me pictures from inside the White House, like Christian music artists that if I said their names, you'd know. And I'm like, people can say what they want about President Trump, but they're literally born again, you know, conservative, whatever, Christians that have access to this administration that I've never seen before, which I, I know you were in the middle of. How does that compare to this, our, our current administration as far as uh, faith community, what kind of access or support are, are you guys seeing from the current administration? What we had uh, under the, uh, uh, the presidency of Don, Donald Trump was you had the most open, friendly administration to people of faith, all faith, uh, but uh, certainly the evangelical community mm-hmm. just, you know, flourished in it. Uh, in the four years uh, under President Trump, uh, over 10,000 faith leaders went through the White House. Uh, you talk about the worship. We had spontaneous worship at the White House yeah. you know, with, with Nashville's own Danny Gokey. And, and, yeah, I mean, know, Danny lives like three minutes from here. So, right? I mean, it's literally like, and those are the kind of pictures I'm talking about. Ian Eskelin, Mike Tate. like yeah, oh, yeah, all, Mike, Michael Tate just, yeah. just spontaneously whips out a, you know, turn your eyes upon Jesus and, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and actually had one of our, uh, our, our uh, deputy director for uh, Office of Public Liaison afterwards. He said, what just happened in here? <laughs> I said, God showed up. The presence of God, <laughs> my friend. You know, but, you know, there was such a faith-friendly environment in to protect faith and protect religious liberties. Uh, unfortunately, um, this administration has taken a, 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 the opposite uh Honestly, it's just taken the opposite philosophy that we had. Hmm. Yeah, we, um, from where we sit, I would rather the government just leave us alone in general, right? I mean, I'm a perfect okay if they'll just leave us alone, which doesn't seem to be the case. Um, and uh, and so it gave me great hope because, you know, there's there's all this conversation in our culture right now about, you know, and it's always used as a pejorative and insult uh, to call it Christian nationalism and just put it all under one, you know, whatever. Uh, but if you really just logically think, man, wouldn't we want people with good morality, a good, you know, orthodox uh, faith, whatever? Like, why wouldn't we want that person making decisions in leadership, right? And so I, you know, I, I'll say this, that... Um, COVID was a, a thing that, I, I, I don't know how it worked where you were at, but where I was at, I suddenly realized I thought there were friends that I thought were my friends that I realized aren't yeah, my friends right. anymore. They, they don't want to talk to me anymore. Um, this is, has a very uh, similar yes. feeling to me. Like there are friends of mine that I'm watching what they're saying going, this is what you think? I don't think you're supposed to say that out loud. And these are, some of them are, are pastors and, and Christian leaders. Um, so they're either deliciously naive or back to the wise fool, they're evil. I'm, they're, they're fools. They're, they're not evil, unlike Hamas, which is evil. Um, but at the same time with fools, I mean, I, you know, there's nothing, uh, having a conversation. Who is it that said that having a, converse, a fight with a fool is like playing uh, chess with a pigeon? Uh, I'll probably get this wrong, but, you know, he'll just knock all the pieces, crap on the board and walk off like he won. Um, so we don't play chess with pigeons uh, and we don't argue with fools. But. 
we still live in a world where uh, current administration aside, you know, we need wisdom in those offices and wisdom in those uh, from the local on up to the national. What do you think is the what do you think is the future for the next couple of years with this election cycle happening right now? I will tell you this. I believe it, it lies squarely in the hands of, uh, of Christians. I really do. Um, and particularly people in the pulpit. Um, you know, Hosea 4.6 really is a, a disease within the, the faith community. Now, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And just like with COVID, where they either became silent or they drank the Kool-Aid or whatever it was, they said, you know what? You tell us we can't meet. Okay, we can't meet. There was no pushback. There was, yeah. you know, this same situation, you're, you're so exactly right as it relates to Israel. Uh, you're going to have people who are going to be pushing for, you're going to have pastors who are going to be pushing for a two-state solution and don't understand, uh, you know, again, destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, That's good. You know, That's it, good the, the people of Issachar, the Bible said, were men who had understanding of their times to know what Israel ought to do. And if there's anything that we're doing in, you know, we, we work with, it's called the National Faith Advisory Board. Uh, City Serves actually the compassion arm of the National Faith Advisory Board. It's, uh, it's what we took from the White House and we just privatized it once we were ceremoniously kicked out, right? Yeah. And, uh, and really what we're about is making sure that God's people are educated on policy uh, to know that I'm convinced that pastors um, want to speak truth. That's why they're called into that. Uh, they just need, they need the courage, they need the backup, and they need to know what to say. Yeah, starting with they need to know what they're talking about. That's right. Um, That's exactly right. Or at least know somebody who does. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the thing that um, I learned in these last few years, some of the mistake I think in the Christian community is a, 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 a however a pastor defines their their role really does, and this is common sense, but it really does play out in how they're going to um, interact in the world. And so I have very dear friends uh, who silent about pretty much anything except for uh, the, the Bible without any acknowledgement then that the Bible itself actually says we, we need this wisdom for yeah. for the world. So these, you know, yeah. abortion is not a uh, a political issue, right? It's, it's, it's a moral issue. It's a moral issue. And, um, and so just being, when you're silent about that, you say a lot without saying anything. 100% you do. And but but the, the dear friends of mine would say this is again this is how they define their role which is my job is just to quote unquote my job is just to preach the gospel. Okay. Well, Genesis twelve three is still in the book. It's right? still part right. of the gospel. Psalm Romans eleven is literally right after Romans ten. Right, the gospel that's, is that's Romans right. eleven. Uh, all of Israel will be yeah. saved. I have not forgotten my the, my people. Israel I have not that's, forgotten them. Like that's it's, right. That's the yeah. gospel. Yeah. It's just having the courage to be able to speak on on topics that go against the flow of the. Uh, of the modern narrative that comes out of our mainstream media. Yeah. And that's where, you know, we've, we've got to have the Joshua, you know, one nine, you know, only be strong and very courageous, right? To, to make sure that you do speak the truth. We speak it in love. Yeah. But we still have to speak it. Yeah. Yeah. Silence is just not an, an option. Right. Not anymore. And I'll say this. I don't, I don't know how it feels in Israel right now, but the bar for courage is so low in America right now <laughs> that, yeah. you know, we'll say things more on the podcast, whatever, and we'll get like, oh, man, that was so courageous. But, but, but saying that a man can't have a baby, that's actually not a courageous thing to say. It's just true. But, but, it, but the world, the bar is so low yeah. that you could be considered courageous and not really have to do a whole lot for it. Um, we actually could use the courage of the Israels, just uh, the, the Jewish people in Israel, I mean, because yeah. they've got— a plethora of it right now. Yeah. Yeah. What well, we need are men like your brother and like you, right? The Tesla's, you know, stunt driver, uh, willing to stand the, you know, stand in the gap and, and in the, in the year leading up to this attack, I was, so I was there with a group in February, 2023, and we wandered into uh, a few different protests that were Israelis protesting against uh, Netanyahu and the, yeah. the court and all that. And um, 
And I, I will say, I, I mean, at least the protests we went through were, were actually pretty, they were largely peaceful. I never felt unsafe. You know, we, you know, had come from a, I don't remember, a wine and cheese tasting or something, literally walked right into the middle of a protest. And I like, give me an Israeli flag. I don't wear protesting, but this feels like fun. Um, but there was obviously a lot of tension leading up to this. Uh, the attack that just happened, is it, are you feeling any kind of unity of the country coming together or is it still pretty divided? So the disagreement that have been in October 6th, right before, we've been in the bottom in, in, in terms of, of what should be next. How should we step forward from here in terms of like disagreement in Israel? I can tell you that we just, it just make us stronger. It just make it to be a nation and mm. closer to each other. Disagreement is not relevant right now. Yeah. And, and like we did before, you know, like the Jewish people came from the Holocaust and build up, build up a beautiful country without that nobody even imagined. And after the 73 war, we got just stronger, become to be a state yeah. of nation without much sources. And like my parents build up, established and absorbed from, from sand to a beautiful village. Yeah. That's what's going to yeah. happen. That's what's going to happen now. I mean, it's going to be a bright future. With One just... of the things that's really cool about Endipsor and the whole area, and this this will be a part where you can fact check me or somebody can email me. They always will. Am I right that Endipsor, like that whole part of Israel, that the, the people who were displaced after uh, Menachem Begin, uh, Jimmy Carter, uh, Camp, Camp David Accords, yeah. yeah, that they were placed there, but it was a desert yeah. at eighty two. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I, so a desert that I you actually, guys turned into a like a beautiful lush. <laughs> right, right. I actually was my I was born in in in, in Sinai. Like my family moved wow. was evacuated from from Sinai in eighty two. How old are you? Three and a half. Well done. Three and a half. I would have yeah. never guessed. That. Okay. <laughs> uh, so 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 the the core of people, the type of people that now end up storing the entire region. You know, you meant, I, I said coincidentally a few times in this podcast, but that's not coincidentally. It, yeah. It's it's all from from someone that led us to went through this path. Yeah. We're going to be like the end of, end of sorrow in the entire school. We're going to come back. We're going to come back stronger. Thanks to you guys. We're going to make this place alive and stronger and safer. Because they know other option, yeah. we must adopt other villages until, as you yeah. said, it's going to take years. We on the on the process to adopt other villages until we will be able to rebuild each one of them yeah. better and stronger than what it was in October seven. And we want to be a part of that. I mean, that's knowing that you guys just lost uh, almost two years of of income of tourism you know we had a trip scheduled for actually we were in israel uh february 2020 right into right, right up to march like we were when all that was changing we were it was one of the some of the last groups out were ours so you lose a couple of years because of of the world shutting down you just getting right back up and running again here properly and now yeah. to be hit with this like this is a huge financial blow to to your nation but to your people so we want to stand with and do what we can. Like I'm willing to bet that vast majority of people even listening to this or will be with us uh, on Sunday have no idea that there are thousands of people living in hotel rooms because they can't go home right now yeah. on their own dime or on their own. You know, the hotels are taking a hit. So they've already taken a hit and now another hit, which is feeding and providing for. And, you know, sure, obviously I wish the government probably like you guys, the Israeli government was helping, but they're probably a little busy right now uh, yeah. Yeah. Trying, trying to keep things right. together. So this is, a, you know, our chance to, as, you know, as a church to say, we're going to put a flag in the ground here. And I love the idea that it gets to be in a place that has so much heritage. Am I remembering right that the hospital was in Beersheba? Beersheba. You guys, it's a rock hospital. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, we are, by the way, we are with my brother. We've been the first together from the entire area. And and we got the first to get into the to the to the uh, uh, um, ER and and if Tesla doesn't give you a sponsorship, <laughs> uh, look, I don't. <laughs> this is like a Tesla commercial. Like that's 
I mean, I've been literally saved their life. Yeah, yeah. It literally saved their life. Like, due to acceleration and everything. Yeah. And 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 like, can you imagine? Like two hours later, we came down yeah. to the ER because we realized my brother will not be able to to He's have the surgery that yeah. he, it was all red. Yeah, like, I'm not sure the insurance be. claim will actually go through. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> shut up. So we want to be a part of that. I mean, are there like when you talk about adopting a village? What is your and by the way, if the answer is we're still figuring it out, just know we're figuring it out, people. So you're not gonna that won't scare me. But what is the immediate plan? Obviously, immediately taking care of immediate needs like washing machines and laundry. Like, what's the phase? The next phase that happens? Yeah, great question. Uh, the next phase for us is to begin uh, to begin to get uh, American families and churches that will sponsor a family for six months. Uh, and it's not going to be able to meet all of their needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, what, what we've set with the people at Absur is a $500 a month stipend that we can give to them to be able to, uh, so they can meet their needs, uh, you know, whatever they may be. Uh, again, jockeys come on board with us, others, but... So yeah. basically to sponsor one family right now is 500 a month. There's 300 families? There's 320 families. Okay. Yeah. And the commitment for that 500 a month, how long do you anticipate that? So we're, we're setting six months right now, and that will be the, uh, uh, the end of, of that phase. Uh, then we're going to move into uh, the phase of, of bringing in the other kibbutzes. These beautiful people in, in Absur, they have 240 lots that they're giving to these other communities. Mm. Now, this is the Western mindset. We can't wrap our brains around this. He grew up in, in, in the same place that he was born in. You know, Near Oz was a kibbutz that was developed in 1958. And the people who started it are still there. They're, they don't leave. You know, and so for us, we, we, we bounce from one neighborhood to another. They don't. So they want to get back to their kibbutz. You know, they want to get back to their... So being in, uh, uh, in Absur, they're one mile from where they're actually going to be rebuilding. And so, you know, the fact that they would actually give to their brothers and sisters land, yeah. that's a concept that, that <laughs> we would have a difficult time with. On, oh, you know, Americans would be you know, no, we, wincing at that, yeah. Yeah, well, we, we'd be... We'd be making money off of it. Uh-huh. Is what we would do. We call that they're capitalism not. in crisis. So it's, that, it's, right. it's America's perfected that. Yeah, but they're not. You know, yeah. so it's to help with tiny homes. The next phase would be tiny homes, and, and uh, I mean, I mean, just 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 to give you an idea, going outside to the fence with a rocket in my head—that's what represent giving to others. Hmm. Put my life at risk to protect others. Yeah, hosting other kibbutz to make them safe to be able to rebuild the kibbutz this is the level of 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 community and and how due to um outstanding um community and closing and giving to the others this is what make us stronger well we um i mean i'm doing quick math in my head that's probably about a million dollars for that's exactly right um, just under a million uh which is real money and at the same time not not that bad right you know and for those listening you know 500 if you're looking to quantify like $500 could take care of a family for a month you know 3000 for 6 months like that's a real quantifiable goal that's the, the problem when you see you guys do this in disaster work right like you see this giant tsunami and where do i even start start in the answer, right? As I start with what's right in front of me. That's right. And, you know, we have been, you know, praying for uh, a place to, and we, we have a lot of friends inside of Israel from all different backgrounds and whatever. And, but it was uh, like, this is what we have been praying for was how we could, our church is called conduit, which is just a piece of pipe. Uh, and the idea is very simple. And that's that you connect this conduit you know, so conduit to church, to city serve, right, to dock, to, you know, you connect enough of them together and that's how you make the provision go further. So we're, you know, we're saying on our side, whether the deeper podcast here, that if you want to help the conduitchurch.com, there's a drop down that says Israel support. 100% of that will go to this. Oh, 
to, to you guys. We've already got 10,000 ready to go for you. Wow. Thank you. So, um, so, you know, what, that's like three families, but, you know, yeah. uh, and we want to do more than that. So if you're listening, whether you're in Canada, Florida, wherever you're listening from, you can conduitchurch.com, Israel support on the drop down. And we will, we'll just funnel that out as fast as it comes in Thank you for so you much, guys. Thank you. Um, Doc, out of curiosity, what, what brings you to the States? Like, are, you, are you here with your, your kids right now? Is your yeah, family back home? I'm here with me too, two of my daughter. Uh, um, that's exactly what we're doing here. We're here for um, fundraising and, and for uh, um, telling our story from a very personal point of view. Yeah. Um, just, you know, people, when I give an example, people are, are, can understand the situation, like the level of threat that my kids have still in dealing with is my, that my, give an example, like my 13 years old daughter, don't brush her hair, like wash her hair and, and when I'm, if we're not next to the door because she's afraid to close their eyes and open sure. one wow. of the Hamas terrorists will be there. That's the mental support we yeah. have to provide them in the next few months. That's why your financial support is, is, will fulfill this gap. That's what we need now. Yeah. Provide them the help that we, they need now, the kids. Where uh, where are you guys staying in Israel? Are you in Tel Aviv? Are you with so we are most of the village now staying in Elat in Elat, the hotel yep. in Elat. This is the southest uh, yep. city. So in Israel. your family's there too, yeah. Yeah, we are there for more than seven weeks already. Am I remembering right that Elat is right on the border, Egyptian border? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I almost got in trouble there. I went. Uh, <laughs> it's a long story, anyway. Yeah, Egyptians were not. They didn't find me charming, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's a it's a weirdly beautiful part of Israel. Beautiful, it's like right next to the red to the Red Sea. Yeah, beautiful, like the the desert, the border between the desert and the Red Sea. It's, it's gorgeous. Spot. It is gorgeous. Yeah, I've only been there twice because I mean, you, it's a commitment to if you're going to do you know a ten or twelve day tour in Israel to get it all in, right. even though it's not right. that large of a country, it's large in heritage. And so, you know, to make a decision to, to do a lot, you know, on the same trip as like, say, Tel Dan or whatever, like it's just, you're covering a lot of miles in a bus. Yeah. So. A lot is, is our favorite city for, for holidays. It's yeah. like beautiful. So when do you go home? It's a wonderful question. Um, we want to go back home as soon as possible. But and when you say home, you mean and absorb. Oh, of yeah. course. Yeah. Of course. And absorb. This is yeah. our home. It's, we yes. remain our home forever. There's yeah. not any question about it. Um, we just need to be safe. We need the, the IDF and the, the, the military operation to do whatever they need to do to make it safe to come back. But in the day, it will be, will be allowed to come back. Yeah. We will do that. The entire village will come back. The entire village will rebuild a, a, a new neighborhood for, for our neighbors, for other kibbutzim, that will be able to come back and, and to make this beautiful piece of land alive again. What is, um, you're, so you're in the States, f- wait, how long are you in the States for? We're going to be for six days, six seven, days. seven okay. uh, um, flights. And then head back to Tel Aviv? Back to Tel Aviv and then down Elat. south to Elat, yeah. Okay. Well, know that the people that listen to this podcast, people that are part of our conduit circles, like we're, we're praying for your country, we're praying for your people by name. Um, I don't say it lightly when I say that even talking to having friends like Zev Orenstein have been so great for me because I know that there's a history inside of uh, people who've called themselves Christians that is anti-Semitic and it's demonic it's it's literally from the pit of hell anti-Semitism and Satanism are the same thing Um, and I honestly don't know how they could get there other than with uh, demons because again Romans you know Romans is the gospel like when you talk about like the gospel the Romans road to salvation and Romans 11 is literally in the middle of that like it wasn't like Paul just threw in some aside you know it was core to what he was saying and you know we see uh, and what we've tried to do here just so you know Doc is like we've tried to approach this from a biblical worldview, right? But even if you pull the Bible out of it and just pull just a very common sense geopolitical or social, like every angle of this speaks of the need for a a country like Israel to survive and to thrive. And I think it was about a month ago that uh, Netanyahu had an op-ed piece in the the journal. And I know he's a polarizing figure, but 
uh, he rightly stated, this is not just a battle uh, against a small, this is a battle for Western civilization. This is literally a battle. And I've spent an enormous amount of time in North Africa, uh, Middle East, places that I, uh, I can't tell them I'm a Christian. We can't, you know, because there is no freedom in these nations. And these are, some of these are considered moderate Islamist countries, right? Um, we can't, even if you just go from a purely ge- geopolitical or liberal, whatever perspective, we, uh, it, it, it's common sense that this, this nation th- survives and thrives. And at the ground level, your families deserve better than what the universities and what some of our, uh, political figures and pastoral figures have spoken because when you see, like I said, go back to Zev, like he, you know, he, he said he grew up in New Jersey. I, I want to put words in his mouth, but uh, he said, I, when I looked at Christians, you know, it wasn't that we hated him. It was just more like he saw a snake on the road. You just went to the other side. <laughs> but when you go back in history and realize, oh, if you, if you think about what the, what happened during the crusades or some of what the Catholic church has done over history, I can see why if you're a Jewish person, you might have some hesitation. We've given them good ammunition. Yeah. yeah. But I know this, none of them, unlike Islam, um, if you're a good Muslim, you can justify anything that Hamas is doing with the Quran. You cannot, as a Christian, a follower of Christ, justify any of the nonsense with the Bible. You have to torture it, make it say something it didn't say, or completely ignore it altogether, but you can't justify it, with, not with the teachings of Jesus. If, if Mohammed is the great example for uh, Islam, what they have an example of right now is a guy who murdered, who uh, committed jihad himself, you know, or we have Jesus, uh, the model of a guy that instead of, you know, the, the, the basic core of tentative Christianity is, uh, well, let's say of Islam, it is uh, your body uh, broken for me. That's Islam. Jesus is my body broken for you. And it's the complete opposite view of, of the world. You know, hearing your words, your very accurate words, is just an example how different religious can make it happen. Yeah. When you support us that allow us to support other and make this cycle, it's a, that's the through of giving. Yeah. That's the through of giving. Like making a, a Christian and Jews together for, for, for a better future, this is what you give us. You give us hope. Yeah. Well, it's our honor to get to do it. And Jesus specifically said these brothers of mine there's an argument to be made very specifically that he very specifically meant his Jewish brothers and sisters. Um, Lost on me, I just finished a book called Hitler's Cross. I don't know if you've read it. Uh, It's from the 90s uh, of how he used the cross to uh, pull off his thing, which is, I mean, you talk about demonic. Um, But I look at what we get the chance of what the cross actually meant, again, which is our, you know, Jesus' body broken. So we get to be a part of his brothers and sisters. Uh, Jesus was Jewish, 100%. Um, Born in Israel, raised in Israel, died in Israel. We believe resurrected in Israel. We believe coming back to Israel. And it's one of the things that Zev and I joke about, which is one of the things we'll know is when uh, Messiah comes, we'll have one question. Is this your first time? <laughs> if it's his first time, uh, Zev is right, right? If, uh, if it's a second time, then I'm right. But either way, uh, Romans 11 with it. So if you are interested in helping, I would ask for you to prayerfully consider even, look, I, I, what is that, $10 a day, you know, for $300 a month, if you can only do a day, whatever it is, Israel support, we want desperately to be a part of what Jesus himself wanted us to be a part of, which is to be, uh, be Jesus to his brothers in Israel. Any parting thoughts for us, Todd? You know, I, I, I love the whole atmosphere and vibe of, of what's coming from this podcast because I believe it's truly um, entrenched in, in what the heart of God's all about. Mm. And we have, a, uh, we have an opportunity, we have a moment that really can create a movement and that is bringing uh, the Christian world, the, the true blood-bought believers in Jesus with their brothers, uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters from the nation yeah. of Israel. This truly can be that bridge uh, that, uh, that links us closer together. Yeah. And we can't miss this moment. Yeah, that's, man, that's good. Because this is a moment. And this is a moment where we get to well, where I grew up, Peter, get off the pot. I don't know what yeah. the proper that's, metaphor is. Yeah. Uh, we can also think, yeah, the, the, I mean, just looking at it from different perspective, 
this dark Saturday, this black Saturday, it's also an opportunity. With all the so such a sad story that happened that day, it's an opportunity to bring to bridges between Christian and Jews. Yeah. Well, we're we're here for it. I mean, we this church. Um, the, when I say the church, the church in in our mind is not a place. It's not a what. The church is a who. It's Jesus's bride. That's what we. we but we have a chance to. Uh, one of the words that Jesus talked about, actually, uh, northern Israel, right? Uh, uh, Pan, you know, Caesarea Philippi, where the gates of hell will not prevail against uh, my church. Th- those were offense words, not defense. It wasn't. We build a wall and wait for the enemy to come attack us. Right. We go to where the gates of hell are and we kick them down. So, you know, extreme poverty is a gate of hell, uh, lack and uh, violence is a gate of hell. So we get to uh, the, the church of Jesus to say, we're going to kick down this gate of hell uh, and bring peace and build an outpost of the kingdom of God um, until Messiah comes for the first or second time, depending on yeah. who's right. <laughs> but uh, um, Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you for being here uh, with us. Uh, I know you've got a lot, especially you're trying to get a lot in in six days. So. We're going to do our best. Like I said, we already have. I know we have $10,000. I would love that to be significantly more. Uh, so in the coming days, we'll keep pointing in that direction and, thank you. and serve you guys. So thank you for being here. Uh, conduitchurch.com. If you're in the Nashville area, we'd love to have you join us 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. And we would really love it if you come to the 5 p.m. so we don't have to turn any more cars away on Sunday morning. Uh, tomorrow, actually, well, actually, I don't know if we'll be broadcasting... At the time of this broadcasting, it's a Saturday. I don't know if this will be released before tomorrow, but if you happen to be around tomorrow, uh, Todd and Dr. Gebner are going to join us for a few minutes in each one of our gatherings to uh, talk to the larger church. We hope you can join us. Uh, Condochurch.com, Israel supporting the drop down. We'll catch you next time.